Hey guys, Pastor David here. Uh, welcome to Victory Church. We're excited that you have uh, found us, that you're joining us today. We're a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. That is our vision here at Victory Church, and that is what we're praying will become a reality for us as a church here at Victory. So I'm glad that you guys found us. I'm glad that you're joining us today, and we're excited about kicking off this sermon here in just a moment. People have successfully been able to live as long as a few weeks, even without food. It's been heard that a person could live as long as maybe three days without water. And perhaps even as long as eight minutes without air. But no one can live more than a second without hope. Someone has said that the death of hope leads directly to the hope for death. We need hope. The disciples, when Jesus died, were absolutely devastated. All of their hope was shattered. We read about the story of the resurrection, though, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, where hope came alive because Jesus came alive. You might be here this morning, and maybe you don't have a lot of hope. For whatever reason, your hope has been shattered. And that can happen in a variety of ways. And God knows exactly what your situation is. And his message to you this morning is there's hope. Hope can come alive because Jesus is alive. Let's look at this familiar story in the Gospel of Matthew. And you won't see it on the screen because I didn't know until a few hours ago that I was going to preach. And so uh, that wasn't able to be prepared. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me or just listen. I'm going to read 10 verses in Matthew chapter 28. The story of the resurrection, it says, After the Sabbath at dawn, at the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and he sat on it. I bet he was smiling. <laughs> he appeared like lightning, and the clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook, and they became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said he would. He already told you about that. Come, see the place where he lay, and then go quickly tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women turned away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and he ran to his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. <laughs> Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, worshipped him, and Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go into Galilee, and there you will see me. We're going to be talking this morning about the dawn of hope. Hope is alive 
because Jesus is alive. And hope can be alive in you today, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of whatever brokenness you brought into this place this morning, or whatever hopelessness you brought into this place this morning. Whatever you're facing, I promise you this, it is bigger than you, but it is not bigger than God. Jesus is alive, and your hope can be as well. Let's pray to God. Heavenly Father, we bow before you in thanking you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for Easter. Thank you that the tomb is empty. Thank you that hope can be restored in our lives, that fear is conquered, that death has died. There's no reason to be afraid, and we can live our lives in peace and in joy and in victory. Thank you for the dawn of hope in Jesus' name. Amen. The dawn of hope, first of all, comes from heaven. I know a lot of people try to be hopeful. We put on a big smile, and the world offers hope in a lot of ways, but all of the hope that the world offers just eventually fades away, like sand through your hands. It goes away, doesn't it? It might look good. It might be packaged as good. This seems hopeful. This seems good, pleasurable, wonderful, <laughs> but it's a lie. Real hope only comes from heaven. We look closer in our passage in Matthew 28 and verse 1. It tells us that this happened after the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath, we think of it as Sunday, but the Jewish Sabbath actually was, was from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. So this happened after that, and now it was dawning into the first day of the week. So it was sunrise on Sunday, and the word dawn means to shine forth. That's a beautiful word, shine forth. And that's exactly what their hope was about to do as they learned of the resurrection of Christ. Just like the sunlight coming out, that hope was about to burst forth in their life. Does that sound like something that you want and need? It's available to you right now. In verse 2, it describes the scene. There was a, a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. That's where hope comes from. Not what the world offers. Don't buy into that lie. It will not bring you hope. It comes from heaven. It comes down to you, and it's available to you. And the angel rolled the stone away. He rolled the stone back. Now, understand this. The angel did not roll the stone away to let Jesus out. Jesus did not need any help getting out. The stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let us in right? So it can be witnessed that he's alive, and he sat on it triumphantly, and I just kind of picture him up there perching on that stone and saying to Satan, choke on this, right? Jesus is alive. One of my favorite commercials goes way back to when David was a little boy, and that's one of the reasons I think it's one of my favorite commercials. It's a lifesaver commercial. It's a dad with a young boy and they're having a father-daughter, a father-daughter, father-son time, right? They're watching the sunset. And as the sun is coming down on the horizon and they're watching that together and experiencing that moment, 
And it's getting right to the moment where the son's going to disappear. And the dad says, going, going, gone. And little boy's eyes are just big like this. And he says, wow, dad, do it again. Well, I don't think dad could do that again. They could come back the next day. But we know our heavenly dad can. He can do it again and again and again. And the God of the sunset and the sunrise is the God of hope. And that hope is there and available to us no matter what. Do you realize as believers in Christ that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? So no matter what comes our way that seems to overwhelm us, we don't have to be afraid. We can, in godly confidence, sit on that stone and say to the Satan, choke on this, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, and I have hope no matter what, no matter what the world says, no matter what the headlines say, no matter what my bank account says, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what anything we don't have to let circumstance control our life because Jesus is Lord over everything and everyone. And we have that hope because of that. Hope can be devastated at times. Back in the first Gulf War in 1991, one day before President Bush Sr. declared a ceasefire, the day before the war ended, an F-19 fighter jet was shot down in Kuwait. And they sent out a rescue squad in a helicopter to rescue the pilot who had ejected. That helicopter was also shot down. And everyone was presumed dead. One of the people on board was 20-year-old Sergeant Troy Dunlap, from Carnick, Illinois. The day before the war ended, of course, nobody knew the war was going to end. It was going very well for the United States. So later that day, some military personnel showed up at his parents' residence. He wasn't married. Who informed them that their 20-year-old son had been killed. Now, I cannot imagine any kind of deeper pain. David, my son, served in the Iraq War, the second Gulf War, many years later. And there was a time when we actually got news that some people in his unit had been, in, had been killed. We didn't know if he was, one of, was among them or not. It was two of the worst days of my entire life. I would rather have not have heard the initial news, but I did. And so we waited. Fortunately, that was not true. But I couldn't imagine what that would be like. But that was the news these parents got. Son has died in action. Certainly friends, neighbors, family members, church people came, surrounded them with grace, with love, comfort as much as they could. And they grieved. Two days. The second day, Mr. Sergeant Dunlap's father hears the phone ring, and he goes and answers it. It's a military officer who informs him that they were mistaken. 
that their son had not been killed in action, that in fact he had been captured, but he was alive, and by then the war was over, so they'd already made arrangements with the Iraqi forces to get him back, and everything was fine. He was okay. Now, can you imagine from the depths of despair to the height of joy, he began, he ran down the street yelling like a crazy man, my son's alive, he's alive, my son's alive, and he's just trying to tell everybody as much as he could that tremendous joy that he experienced. A little boy defined hope as wishing for something that ain't going to happen. Now, that's the best the world can do, just wishful thinking. But because of the resurrection, our hope is real because it comes from heaven and it does not disappoint. That hope is available to you today. From him, receive it. But not only is it true that hope comes from heaven, it's also true that the dawn of hope eliminates fear. What are you afraid of today? Fear can be absolutely paralyzing and devastating. I have a Christian counseling ministry, and I deal with people all the time whose lives can be enslaved sometimes to fear. It can absolutely control their lives. That is never from God. In this story, you hear this phrase twice, once from the angel, later from Jesus, do not be afraid. Or it could, as you look at the grammar of the original Greek language, actually mean stop being afraid because they were afraid. Because you don't have to be afraid. Now, it's one thing for someone to say, oh, don't worry about it. Forget about it. That doesn't help if there's something really fearful in front of me. But the angel says, do not be afraid, and then gives the reason why we don't have to be afraid, because he has risen. We don't have to be afraid because he's alive. He's conquered everything we need to fear. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. We are victorious as believers in Christ. And as I said, the Scripture teaches the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us as believers. There's no reason to be afraid. He said, he is risen just as he said he would. Now, what's interesting about that expression is to understand that Jesus had prophesied that he would rise from the dead. They didn't get it. They didn't believe it. And when we don't fully embrace the truth of God, we experience the fears that are so totally unnecessary. When God said, you can do all things through Christ, when he said, my grace is sufficient, when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, when he said, I'm with you always, when he said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory, what part of that did we not get? And so we let fear sometimes rule our lives. He's alive, he's risen, just like he already told you he would do. So all of this fear that they'd have been experiencing was so totally unnecessary if they had truly just taken Jesus at his word. How much of your life is robbed from you because you believe the lies that Satan tells you and you let fear take over? It's not bigger than God. I don't care what it is. 
When you face something that's bigger than God, then you go ahead and be afraid. But I promise you, you never will. He is risen just as he said he would. He did what he promised, and he will do what he promised for you. And then, he, then the angel said, come and see the place where he lay. Experience it for yourself, he's saying. Hope must be experienced. It's not something that can just be given to someone. It has to be received. Your hope does not determine the hope of your loved one. They've got to receive it for themselves. So the angel said, come, taste some of this hope for yourself. And that's what God offers for us today. Here it is. It's available to you. Drink some, taste some, experience some. Let hope melt your fear into peace. And then he said, go quickly and tell his disciples, because there's a whole lot of people that, the, that they knew that were hurting, that were afraid. These disciples had heard of Jesus' death. Some had witnessed it, and now they're in fear for their own life. Go tell them, give some of this hope, experience it yourself, and then take it with you to someone else who's also in bondage to fear. In 1941, <clears throat> Nazi Germany occupied most of Europe. And in a town, a quiet little town, a peaceful, formerly peaceful little town in Poland that has become infamous, named Auschwitz, the Nazi Germans had constructed a concentration camp. And in this concentration camp, they had some very strict rules. It was run by the Gestapo. Ruthless people, no heart, no compassion, no mercy. The commandant of that camp had a rule. If someone escaped, then 10 prisoners would be killed. Indeed, one person had recently escaped. So the commandant called all of the prisoners together. And the rule was that 10 would be, would be killed. Randomly, they would be chosen. Just draw their names out of a hat or whatever. I don't know. Just randomly. And those 10 people would be let off and put into boxes that would basically become their tombs, their coffins, left there to just starve to death and die. Well, when they called the names one young man began to cry hysterically and plead for mercy. He said, I have a wife and children, please, no. And another one of the prisoners was moved with compassion on that man's cry, and he raised his hand and stepped forward, and he said, true story, I'll take his place. And he walked with the other nine to those boxes where they put them in there, and they died. He died on August 14th, 1941. His name, Maximilian Colby. And the man for whom he took his place, who, for whom he died, every year for the rest of his life, he would commemorate August 14th, and he would think and realize 
How wonderful and powerful it is to know what it's like to have someone die in your place. But that's true for all of us. Because on Calvary, that's what Jesus did. But as Heather said, but then <laughs> something happened and he didn't stay in that grave, did he? I don't remember the next phrase either. But then, I remember that. And so no matter what's happening in your life, you just remember. But then, God shows up. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead comes forth in your life to give you hope and to conquer the fear in your life. As the hymn says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds my future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. The dawn of hope eliminates all fear. It comes from heaven. It eliminates all fear. And thirdly, the dawn of hope brings lasting joy. That's something we long for, isn't it? We all want to have that joy, that peaceful joy in our lives. We need that. God created us to need that. He created us with that need so he can give it to us and fulfill us with it. The Bible says in this passage in verse 8, the women were afraid yet filled with joy after they heard this from the, from the angel that he has risen. No words could express how they felt. And then suddenly, verse 9 Jesus shows up, but then here he is, and he says, greetings. The word literally is rejoice, and that's what they did, and they fell down and worshiped him, clasped his feet. They were overwhelmed with joy. The former Soviet Union's first leader, founding leader, was named Vladimir Lenin. Not a nice person, a vicious person. When he died in 1924, they made a special glass-encased tomb where they could put him and people could see his body, and they made it uh, temperature-controlled so his body would be preserved over the years. They put it right in the middle of the capital city of Moscow, right in the middle of Red Square, and indeed millions and millions and millions of people have come by to see his body. Kind of eerie to think about. Look through the glass, and there's this dead guy laying there. And every once in a while, they'll put more makeup on him, and you know they'll do things, and they've spent literally millions of dollars to keep his body preserved. Kind of creepy, right? But if you, if you were to go to Red Square, I don't suggest you go there, not a pleasant place to be, but if you were to go there, there are plenty of signs and soldiers that tell you what you can and cannot do. There's not much you can do except look. You can't talk, can't take pictures, you can't even put your hands in your pocket. That'd be disrespectful. There's all kinds of rules of what you have to do if you're going to view this dead guy. <laughs> kind of morbid, right? Well, there's another tomb in another capital city named Jerusalem. You go there, 
The guide will say, come on in. You want to take pictures? Take pictures. You want to stand? You want to sit? You want to shout? You want to sing? You want to talk? Do whatever you want because he's not here and you're not going to bother him. He's alive. And people can base their hope in a dead guy, in a dead philosophy like communism or whatever on what the world offers, or we can rest in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and a risen Savior who is alive today forevermore. There is absolute hope because of Christ. And hope brings that joy. Franklin and Beatrice Forrest spent the first two weeks of December 1987 getting ready for their daughter Paige to come home from college. They were excited. Paige was just a freshman, been away a few months, all the way out in California, and they were living in Oklahoma in a small town. They had talked to her, written her, talked on the phone, prayed for her daily, spoke with her often, and she wrote to them, often as well. She was coming home for the holidays, for Christmas, and they were so excited. The little house sparkled as they were waiting for her arrival. They were going to go pick her up at the airport. Frank and Bet, as everyone called them, tended to a last few details and then headed for the airport. They couldn't help but laugh when they got there about an hour and a half early. You know, they were just so excited. So they waited for the plane. About 30 minutes before her plane was due to arrive, they hear an announcement over the intercom. Well, persons waiting to meet flight, and the rest of the announcement was a blur. They made their way to a special conference room, fearing the worst. True story. A visibly shaken representative from the airline began, we are so sorry to have to tell you that there has been an accident. And they went on to tell them that their daughter's plane had crashed on takeoff from Denver Airport. For almost an hour, they listened to sketchy details and then official statements. Then finally, they received the news that all passengers were believed to be killed in the crash. The news cameras were there, noisy crowds everywhere. Frank and Bet finally looked at each other in exhaustion emotionally and said, let's just go home. They made their way out of the airport to the car, drove away. They said little on the way home. Grief was overwhelming. Then standing in their living room, they didn't know what to say. They just stood there hugging and crying. And a few minutes later, the phone rang. Frank slowly picked it up, kind of reluctantly. Hello, Mr. Forrest, the voice said. True story. This is Mr. Hastings with the airline. Your daughter missed the plane. She's alive. It's these kinds of true stories that just heighten the reality of the hope that we have in Christ when we think all is lost in our own lives. Because I've just messed up so many times. There's no hope for me. Because a, rebel, a, a relationship has been dashed on the rock. Because someone I love has died. Because my health is fading because I lost my job, because I gave in to this substance abuse or to this sin and it controlled my life. On and on the list goes. 
no matter what it is, understand that Jesus is bigger than that problem. And he is alive and well. And he can conquer whatever seeks to conquer you. Whatever you've allowed, maybe for years, to conquer you. He's bigger than that. And when you hear his name, you can come running out of that grave. I want to close by sharing some words that kind of capture what Peter must have felt after the death of Christ. You know, Peter had denied that he even knew Christ. A little girl said, aren't you one of those followers? No, not me. Denied him three times. Can you imagine how devastated he was with the pain of the death of Jesus and the overwhelming guilt and shame he must have been experiencing? Because the last time he was in the room with Jesus, he was denying that he knew him. These words come from a song by a man named Don Francisco, written from the perspective of Peter. The gates and doors were barred and all the windows fastened down. We spent that night in sleeplessness and we rose at every little sound, half in hopeless sorrow and half in fear that day would find soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. It was just before the sunrise. I heard something at the wall. A gate began to rattle. A voice began to call. So I hurried to the window, looked down into the street. I was expecting swords, torches, the sounds of soldiers' feet. There was no one there but Mary, so I went down to let her in, and John, he stood there beside me as she told us where she'd been. She said, they've moved him in the night, and none of us knows where. The stone's been rolled away. His body isn't there. So we both ran toward the garden, and John, he ran on up ahead, and we found that stone in the empty tomb just the way that Mary'd said. But the, the winding sheet that they, they had wrapped him in... It, it was just like an empty shell. And how or where they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Now, something strange had happened here, just what I didn't know. John, he believed it was a miracle, but I just turned to go. Circumstance, speculation couldn't lift me very high because I'd seen them crucify him. And then I saw him die. Back inside my house again, all the guilt and the anguish came. Everything that I had promised him just added to my shame. When at last it had come to choices, I denied that I even knew his name. So even if he was alive, it just wouldn't be the same. And suddenly, suddenly the air was filled with a, with a strange and a, a sweet perfume. And then a light that came from everywhere drove even the shadows from the room. And Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. And I fell down on my knees and I just clung to him and I cried. 
He raised me to my feet. And as I looked into his eyes, love was shining out from them like sunlight from the skies. Guilt and all my confusion just disappeared in a sweet release. And every fear that I'd ever felt just melted into peace. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. And my brothers and sisters, he is alive. And our hope can be alive. Fear can be replaced with peace and joy. And it is available to you right now. You are not too far from God that his arm can't reach you and save you and change you and restore you. It's available to you. This is Resurrection Sunday. He's calling your name. Come on out of that grave. Ask the praise team to come on up and we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And I want to ask you to ask yourself this question that I often ask when I preach. Ask yourself, what does God want me to do in response to what he's just said? Now, whether that response has any physical movement here is a secondary question to what he wants to do here, right? God has not just shared his word with you so we can have a pep rally and feel good today, folks. It transcends emotion to real life-changing truth. And it is for you, or you wouldn't be here. What is he telling you? What does he want you to do as a result of what he's saying? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that you have spoken to us. And now let your spirit move among your people. Draw us all closer to you. Thank you for the hope and the victory that is ours through your son Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I, just want, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to respond in some way today because, you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we, um, whatever it may, may be, the point of that is... Um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so, if you are a Christian, um, and you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already, then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me? What do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to, um, and, and you haven't been giving it to Him. And I want to encourage you to give that to him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's, um, you know, some unbelief that you've had and, and God has really convicted you of some things. 
um, you know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and, and step in His direction. And, and the other thing too is if, if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from, you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life, God, and turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. And it's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key, it's so important. It's seen all throughout um, that book and Acts and, and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's this symbol of death to the old self and, and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ. And we're, 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 uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out uh, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you first and foremost to do that, to, to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So. Uh, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we, are, we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you, if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.